Hello, dear listener, and if this is your first time stopping by Stone Butch Disco, I just want to warn you ahead of time, this is going to be a pretty sex-heavy episode, as well as potentially triggering, because we talk about a lot of things to do with the body and transition and detransition. Uh, my guest today is Carol, who's a total badass. Um, she has experienced both of those things. Um, transitioning, wanting to transition from a young age, and then um, recently, well, since 2019, has detransitioned and has been kind of talking through and about what happened um, and kind of how she has made sense of her experiences and and kind of the wider world that she feels influenced her decisions. Um, It's going to be kind of spicy, I guess, ideologically, but in the best way, because I think it will get us talking and thinking um, critically about... uh, everything. (laughs) Everything to do with, I guess, particularly assumptions that are made about which behaviors and uh, natures are male or female kind of uh, in themselves, right? So that's actually, I think, a philosophical question that um, might just be a bunk question entirely, but like it, we have to reflect on it because so many people are acting like there are certain things that go along with one of those two labels. So we're going to use this, I think, conversation as a, as a, jumping point hopefully for more thought as opposed to like shutting down diversity of thought or being scared of it um we talk a lot about how butch lesbian sexuality kind of comes into cross-gender identification so that's going to be like a thing that i think is really useful to discuss but might um just i don't know call up mm, insecurities or or potentially even traumas or things to do with sexuality that might make somebody uncomfortable but um but i think they're worthwhile so um just be aware as we're as we're working through those issues that you might feel discomfort um i kind of did it's it's tough to talk about any of this stuff so like when i was interviewing carol and i know when she's talking about it like there are still things where you're just like ooh, this is hard to talk about um but but on that note um carol strikes me as somebody who is just completely open and honest about how she feels and what she thinks after going through what she's been through. Um, And she is a person who, you know, has her own beliefs about gender. I'll say right off the bat that Carol uses sex-based pronouns um, and actually talks about what she sees as the importance of using sex-based pronouns in this interview. Um, And actually in part two, which I'm going to upload next week, we talk more about that so you're getting half of it essentially this week but um you know using sex-based pronouns is is something that i think is controversial um and i think you'll understand if you kind of listen with good faith to carol so like you might understand why she wants to do that and we can think about whether the rest of us want to do that um and if that's a solid no then i would love to hear from you i think we need more discussion. We need more like open, honest discussion about how to treat these issues. And so at Stone Butch Disco, we're not going to enforce any rules about like purity of language and and what people have to do in order to be heard. We're just going to try to listen and and come to things with an openness about understanding them. Um, I will say personally, so much of what Carol has experienced resonates with me that it's hard to stay uh, neutral, and I won't even pretend that I do, right? Like, I'm very physically, I feel involved in what Carol is talking about. So you'll hear, I, I, I noted that, like, um, what, some of the, like, 
affirmation sounds that I'm making in this interview, like, huh, uh-huh. It's like, it's because what we were talking about was hitting me um, on a personal level the whole time. So there's just no way around that. And there's no reason to try to hide it. Um, you know, in my experience, people that I was sleeping with said that I was trans because of the way that I was having sex, right? And like, it really paints transness as a function of behavior, um, as though like there are certain things that simply align with being male or female. And I hear that rhetoric echoed in the queer community quite often. So I think this episode is an opportunity to like take a step back and think about what we're really saying when we imply that like a certain trait is a quote unquote trans masculine trait. I, you know, I increasingly see that word used by women who say I'm a woman, but I'm trans masculine, meaning I take on traits of masculinity. I'm wondering, does that use of the word imply that women cannot be naturally masculine? And if so, is that reinforcing the binary thing that we all kind of want to deconstruct? It's all just, it's like questions of language. Um, there's no right answer necessarily, but you will, you will feel um, hard and fast, I think, once we get into this uh, interview, how those issues of language come up. Um, and I, I keep seeing folks in the queer community say that, that women are femme identifying or that somehow, well, first off, they're using the word femme like it just means feminine, which I don't understand, but they're making it sound like you have to be feminine to be a woman. Um, you're femme identifying if you're on the side of women. And it's like, actually women can be masculine too. So what are we trying to do there? Are we trying to reinforce stereotypes around which, which one properly belongs to each sex? Like femininity properly belongs to women because according to the queer community, women and femmes is a category that makes sense. You know, one of my friends said it would just be so much easier if the queer community as a whole would admit that there's no place for butch women in it because it just so clearly seems to indicate over and over that butchness is supposed to be a cross-gender trait. Um, so it's like, just say you don't think butch women are women and move on, you know? Stop kind of gaslighting us by pretending like we're supposed to be comfortable either inside some awkward construction of women and femmes that equates womanhood with femininity or some awkward construction of transmasculine identity that equates us with non-women. There, there's no space in between those things that you've created. You know, just say what you mean and move on. Just say that like your giant umbrella of identity still doesn't make space for a masculine woman and move on because you're getting in the way of butch women radically accepting ourselves for exactly who we are, for our bodies and our desires and the way we do shit and our traits and our behaviors and all of it. Um, and, and Carol's story and my story, which you may have heard on other episodes, parts of, they indicate that like folks are internalizing. We are internalizing the sense that there are certain traits or behaviors or whatever that are simply not for us if we're female, that we simply must depart femaleness or womanhood or however you want to frame that, if we're going to take on a certain form of masculinity. And, and that's what I think we need to question. Um, so yeah, I'm not neutral here. I'm just not. I'm really involved. I'm, I'm involved on the level of my skin, my blood, my tears, years of my life. Um, and so we do our best here to cover some issues that really fucking matter, but they might affect you deeply as much as they do me. So just, just you know, keep your eyes, keep your head on a swivel, keep your eyes up, uh, be ready to skip forward if you need to. All right. With much love, I'm going to pass it over to uh, me and Carol. Me and Carol of the past. Of the past two weeks ago.
sorry. I curse a lot. Um, anyway. Oh, good. So it's not a problem because I do too. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. So I, I have like kind of a loose schedule of what we should talk about, but mostly I wanted to hear about your work because I watched your video about why lesbians transition and yeah, homophobia and misogyny. I mean, pretty much. And uh, people, you'll hear a lot of people push back on that. I mean, I guess especially people who um, don't see a problem with the fact that there's just really no butch lesbians anymore and so many lesbians are transitioning. They think that's yeah. normal. Um, statistically, I think we could say that sh probably shouldn't be normal. Like, just logically, that right. doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, people who push back against against what I say with that will always say something like, um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Like I just woke up and I'm ADHD. So <laughs> no, thank you for fighting through it. I'm, oh, I'm happy fuck. to do my job, oh. my actual job, which is like to be an interviewer and be more active. No, I don't I, remember I where I was going. Say, they push back on you, but that's your experience. You, you identify as a butch lesbian. Now. Now, right? So mm -hmm. like you are the person who would be the authority. I guess I'm wondering why people feel like they can push back on what you're saying when what you're be saying is like, it was me. Because it's transphobic to say that maybe some people transition, uh, not because they're truly trans on the inside with a beautiful trans soul. Like that's the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's really yeah. like, you just it's can't not, say it's, it. It's not really wanting to have a conversation about it. And, you know, that's not to say that, like, okay, so my my personal belief is that nobody is truly trans. Hi, listener. Don't panic. Carol will explain what she means by this. Um, I think you'll you'll come to understand from her perspective not only why she's pissed, and I I step into the pissed off arena with her when when hearing about her experiences, but also why a person might want to open up that word trans and suggest as she does here, that it's not a predefined category with like an obvious single definition. I would just ask, in the interest of this podcast being able to create dialogue instead of shut it down, that we all just listen in good faith and um, do our best to follow uh, Carol's own logic and to understand her experiences in her words. And, and, you know, then we can move on to whatever agreement or disagreement we want to sort out from there. But the point is dialogue, and the point is um, to start listening to voices that have been absolutely silenced. Carol and the other detransitioners she knows and, and whose experiences she speaks to a bit, um, as well as her wife and their wives, um, they have expertise on transition. Whether or not the wider queer community wants to um, grant that expertise, this is the expertise that butch lesbians like me need to hear, because we are the people who might find ourselves in processes of transition that aren't right for us. Whether or not they're right for other people is something else, but you have a lot of butch lesbians um, who are detransitioning right now. So anybody trying to shut down um, dialogue about a whole group of people who have come to accept their femaleness and love it uh, are misogynists, pure and simple. I thought I was done with that comment, but I'm totally not because just a note on the medical industrial complex. I know someone who went to the doctor for back pain. She's a masculine female. She passes as male. Um, she was billed after the fact for a gender consultation by her doctor. She asked what that meant and she couldn't remember even speaking about gender. And her doctor said that she had complained about getting weird looks in the bathroom. Um, so her doctor put that on her bill. Like that's a problem with her. We're looking at an entire generation of butch lesbians who have been told that we are yet again, men in the wrong body 
uh, and we're being abused by the medical industrial complex. So if you want to shut women down who feel like they've been abused by the medical industrial complex and are trying to speak out about that, number one, go read the D-Trans subreddit and check yourself because you're not fighting on the right side of history. And number two, knock it off, start loving women. And now back to Carol on what all this has to do with loving women. People choose to transition for many different reasons. Sometimes there are patterns and you can see those patterns. I've seen those patterns with butch lesbians. Mm -hmm. um, just like there's patterns with women who transition and girls versus men and boys. Right. So there's there's patterns that you can see. However, uh, and, and I also don't believe that transition is really anything good or positive for a person to do. Because I, th I think that it is, you are, it's, I believe it's self-harm. You are harming yourself. Like that mm -hmm. is factually what's happening. People like to argue that point as well. And I'm like, no, dude, scientifically, <laughs> medically, if a female takes high doses of testosterone, that is poisoning your body. Now, you can go ahead and take the stance of an adult has a right to do whatever the hell they want with their body. And I will go, sure, go for right. it. Um, but I don't think the medical industry and therapists should be pushing people to do this without really exploring their reasons why. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like setting them up for the reality of what that means to transition to. So many people just do not have that. What is that really going to be like for you? Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I was 34 when I transitioned and I still had some expectations that were not. uh we're not accurate to what I found, you know? Okay. Like, like, yeah. Tell, tell me, you want to talk through it? You don't, you know, put a boundary up whenever you don't want to talk about something, but I'm okay. a sponge. Um, so, so my, my experience with transition was when, when I went into it and of course, all this is really just like, you know, bravo, bravo, clapped and pushed and encouraged by yeah, therapists yeah. and the therapist. I had no, no introspection, no reasons why I doing it. None of that. Um, no, what do you expect your outcomes to be? <laughs> ah, and I really? walked into, yeah, not really. No, mm -hmm. you know, it was just really a lot of positive rah rah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I got that. I didn't do it ultimately, but I got a lot of rah rah leading me toward it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get Tradition. it from the community, right? When I say the community, I mean, I guess the LGBTQ community at this point because it is really trans centered. Yeah. Like I live in a relatively. I guess a medium size city in California. Um, and uh, it's not no metropolitan. It's not a San Francisco or anything like that. Far from it. And even here, uh, trans identified people run the show with all of our local organizations, all of our anything we want to do. Like if you wanted to support group for anything, everything is trans. And mm -hmm. I don't have an, I actually don't, wouldn't really have an issue with the T. Like some people are like LGB without the T and I get it, but the T has been there. It has been there for not the T itself, but trans people have been in the community yeah, for yeah. many years. This is not anything new with gay people who transition. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not one of those people that goes, get the hell out of here, you T people. However, <laughs> there should be some, there should be some sharing here. There should be some respect for boundaries and that's really been lost. Yeah, I, I certainly saw that. I mean, I was in a big metro area in Philadelphia when I was noticing that it it was becoming impossible to have events around sexual identities because the events became about gender identities. Like when we would have a lesbian event, it 
first it became the queer women's event, but then it became, this needs to be open to more genders than just women. And I was like, well, that's weird. Cause it wasn't about gender at all. It was actually about like a sexual orientation. And I already felt very dissolved when we turned it queer from lesbian. So. Yeah. Oh my God. I got, we got, I got totally off topic. Oh yeah. So but, <laughs> <laughs> no, the expectation, the, the first original question was you yes. asked about like my expectation of transition yes. and my expectation, I think was more, a little more realistic than most that I was, uh, cause I was kind of going to a trans support group in my, in my town. And most of the people who went were younger than me. However, there was a 50 year old butch lesbian there trying to transition to very interesting. Um, so most of the young people really, really didn't have any expectation of the reality of their sex and their surgeries. I had some expectation, but I still really thought that I would pass easily and that it wouldn't mm-hmm. like be no big, no big deal. I'd have the surgery and that I'd want to, I'd want to, the big thing was I could take my shirt off at the ocean and yeah. the, the lake and be free. And I had very large breasts before my mastectomy, like, but trip like triple d or whatever like big breast and so like that was a whole thing of like the freedom of it all yeah um and then i had the fucking surgery and granted by all accounts it actually was one of the better outcomes far as mastectomy goes i didn't have the nipple grafts and thank god i didn't because that shit just really messes you up those nipple grafts i mean because you don't have nipples anymore you just have the appearance of nipples that's what i've heard yeah what I don't even know anything about this actually. Like all I, all that I've heard is that there people have had them misplaced. Well, when I say now mastectomy is the proper medical term, it's in right. my chart, right? If you go look at my medical chart, it says mastect double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. However, it isn't quite a mastectomy like most people understand it to be for like breast cancer. With breast cancer when they do a double mastectomy, they go down even into the muscle often and remove right. all that. So you almost some women almost get a concave you my know? mom had that done. I saw it. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, but with this surgery, it is more cosmetic and obviously it's only, at least in California, it is, it is cosmetic plastic surgeons doing this, it's not okay. regular doctors yeah. for the most part. And it wasn't in 2015 when I had it done. Uh, what they do is they remove pretty much all of the breast tissue, but leave the muscle. Okay. And, um, then what they'll do is they'll, if they do the nipple grafts, um, they'll cut the nipples off and they'll make holes and they'll place the nipple out further towards the armpits because yeah. male nipples are out and more towards the armpits and kind of back a little bit. Okay. So they're basically trying, they're doing a double mastectomy and trying to create a male looking chest. Right. So, but you, so you said you didn't get those meaning. I did not get the nipple grafts. So this, okay, so my, I went to, obviously I I went to a plastic surgeon and me being older, I was like, I want as much as my, I I don't want the nipples to uh, have the chance of dying. So I don't want that graph. Also, I want to keep as much sensation as possible because I did enjoy my chest being touched and stuff. Uh I didn't want to lose that. And he said, being a plastic surgeon, he'll be, I'll do whatever you want, hon. Just give me your money, you know? So he (laughs) said, okay, and he, you know what? The butcher was a good plastic surgeon. So uh, he said, well, this is what we'll do. He's like, um, I, will, I will not disconnect the nipples from their blood supply. Okay. I will cut them out around the areola. I will make the hole. I will scoot them over, but I will not cut them off. Okay. I will manipulate them over into a different area. Right. And so they are a little wider than they used to be. 
um, um, and but they never lost blood supply, which means they stayed intact. Okay. So, yeah. And then because he had to do that procedure, he said, I will have to leave more breast tissue behind than I would normally because that's the only way that stuff's going to come out halfway decent and um, you, you won't risk having a problem with the nipples mm -hmm. and, and just generally the whole procedure. And I said, okay, that's fine. Well, um, it, it still is a little bit too much tissue. It looks, and because the nipples didn't have a graft, they weren't downsized. Cause often what they do is they, they downsize the nipple too. Okay. To, because yeah. most of the time male nipples are small and the areolas yeah. are smaller too. Mm -hmm. So they would downsize the areola and the nipple. He cut some of the areola down, but not, I think as much as he should. And then, um, the nipples were left alone. So it still looks like women's nipples like it just does you know so then when it came to taking your shirt off I was like yeah I'm not gonna take my shirt off because I still feel I still felt like it looked too female and I had scars okay and the scars really I thought and my idea was oh well my dad was a super hairy guy so I was like I'll probably get fucking hairy and like it'll take years but I'll get there and the hair will probably cover up the scars and then mm -hmm. I'll be more comfortable with that right it didn't get as hairy as I thought I was going to get. I mean, it got hairier than I was, but yeah, I just, it, it didn't kick in. And so then, so then what happened was I never took my shirt off anyways. You know why? Cause I didn't want to show the scars because okay. I yeah. that would out me probably. Mm, yeah. So okay. it's like here I went all this surgery with this whole grand idea of fucking going shirtless and then like never, ever did for the most part. Yeah. That was kind of the core thing that you wanted that you were envisioning as the outcome and yeah. I mean, for me at the time, though, that it really was just a huge, huge relief to have them gone, mm -hmm. you know, um, and also I was happy to have them gone because I knew I could pass with them gone easier than with them. Right. And I could not bind like they were just too big. And I always had like very, very firm tissue. So like you cannot bind that. Yeah. shit. Yeah. It, it just no. It doesn't it flatten. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And it hurts like fuck. Like right. a biter hurts, right. bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, know if you ever wore yeah. one, but. Um, I tried one once, but I was, it was an experimental thing. I didn't think I could keep it, keep it on. Cause I, did you? okay. So what I did, I bought one of the good binders, paid a buttload of money for it and, and measured in everything, barely got the thing on and then screamed my wife, take this fucking thing off me. <laughs> and whipped it off. God, I was like, fuck that, man. Well, I had always worn sports bras 24 seven and I feel more comfortable with them contained. I just, um, that's too much containing. Yeah. They're not even big, but I think I, what I, I was identifying when you were saying like the tissue is too tough. It's firm. It's too firm. It's yeah. that more that firm tissue versus like the more soft fatty tissue that sometimes women's breasts are like. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, no, that, that ain't going to go. It's not that. There's, I can't even really like, I can't get much. Let the record show that I put pressure on my left boob and couldn't get it to budge very much at all. Yeah. So, so um, there's that expectation. And then I really, I really did. I really believed and thought and wanted to go all the way. I wanted to have a phalloplasty too. I wanted okay. to get as close to a male body as I could get. I, but I also understood that I was not male. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I would never be male. But I really felt like obtaining that would really, really be, would help my dysphoria. And and like I said, I I. I get mad about people who say there's true trans because I'm like on the fucking papers, bro. I'm as true trans as you can get. Mm -hmm. I had I was a tomboy my whole fucking life. I had gender dysphoria pretty bad starting at like 13, 12 or 13. Okay. Okay. I if now at, 
at my age back then, no, I didn't identify as a boy because that logically didn't make any sense. I'm not a boy. I knew I was a female. However, I identified very heavily with boys and men. And when I say identify with, I meant like I imagined myself and hoped that my body would become male. And then when my breasts started coming in, I would stand in front of the mirror and pretend that they were just like muscles, like a male chest versus boobs starting Mm -hmm. until that became obviously not the case at 14. I was already very large chested at 14. Um, So yeah, I meet all of the criteria. I'd had it for years, you know, and I also had, you know, very, very severe, some people draw a difference and in the trans community, they used to draw a difference many years ago between like, like gender dysphoria and sex dysphoria. Sex dysphoria is really focused on your genitals and your body and the sex of you. Yeah. Feeling like you want that gone, feeling like it's not right, feeling like you're missing parts. Okay. I was wondering if these are actually separate terms because we only hear about the gender one, but it would make sense to have two different well, every, everything's gotten very diluted everything's gotten everybody it's become this huge huge umbrella with everything yeah so yeah. no one's real no one can really talk about specific things and you know life's complex um <laughs> no no yeah i mean like... <laughs> so so th- for me there there was two issues happening there there was my sex dysphoria that i'd had since a kid um and then there was i think gender dysphoria which is how i move through the world what people see, my place okay. as a woman, as a female, um, that part of it, I think, came on a little bit later after I got the shit for being masculine, for being butch, for being a lesbian. Yeah. I felt so, I felt so seen in a bad way right. <laughs> that I, I didn't want to be seen anymore. But remember, this is all subconscious. This is not anything you could have, if you would have told me years ago before I transitioned, oh, well, you know, this is probably just, you know, internalized homophobia. I'd have been like, no, no, I love lesbians. I think they're great. You know, I think butch women are awesome. I just don't feel like I'm one. Right, right. And and why, why push back against that? What do you mean you don't feel like you are one? What, what does that mean to you? You know? Yeah. Why? But we're not allowed to do that. No, but that's, those are excellent questions that need to be asked. I agree. Yeah. Why? Why do you feel like, yeah. And I mean, I was seeing like Lesbian Visibility Week posts that were like, it's important. Non-binary lesbians have existed forever. And I'm like, first off, that's a label that that has not existed forever. If you're saying gender non-conforming females have existed forever, then yes, that's accurate. But my question would be, and the question I'm not allowed to ask is, why do you feel like you need to separate yourself from other female homosexuals when none of us are gender conforming because ultimately what what is the what is the problem with the sex you are why don't you right. want to be the sex you are what is that's a simple that? fucking question man that's <laughs> it's so, a it's so that's simple. a simple why and, yeah. and and for me now i i do take i mean like i have a grudge against the mental health community i think because i really believed in it because i i was going through school to be a therapist mm. so like uh, but I will, I'm no longer interested in doing that and I will not do it. Um, but I was going through school with that. So, and I worked in, in the community to a certain, the, with the mental health community as well. So I had a lot of faith in the system, you know? Yeah. And I felt like the system abused me. Basically they took, I, I went to, I went to a therapist and the thing that's a little bit different about me 
is that when I went into my therapist's office at 34, about four months before my surgery and before starting testosterone, well, actually sooner than before starting testosterone, because I had my mastectomy four months after starting T. Um, when I went to her, I legitimately said, I think I might be trans, but I'm not sure. And I feel like I need some professional help to figure it out. You actually said it. I went into my therapist's office, actually open yeah. to the conversation, but no conversation was had. She encouraged, encouraged and pushed. So she encouraged and pushed your, you to transition yeah. medically. Yeah. You're, you're, you said it, you framed it as you being rare because, and I think what you were saying, tell me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of people walk into their therapist's office and they're the ones who are like, no, I'm sure I'm trans. I'm sure I'm trans. I have to do this. And even in those cases, you would want the therapist, right? To be like, absolutely. Absolutely. Therapist, a good therapist should always ask why and be open to listening to the client. The therapist doesn't have, the therapist shouldn't be convincing anybody, anything, honestly. But the therapist is there to challenge you. And that's the thing missing from all mental health with it with so many aspects of it it's now. So is true. None, of these, none of these therapists want to actually challenge a client. And you know what? If that client walks out of your office, excuse my French, fuck them. You know what? We're all adults here. If you're not here to do work, get out yeah. of the office. I really think that I love, I love that old school way of approaching it, right? <laughs> but because it's true. The relationship with a therapist really is has to do with you are, it is a relationship. You both have to come there to do work. Yes. And if one person's not there to do work, then it's not going to work. Of course. And the therapist needs to be challenging the client, which you don't see. Honestly, most of it's not their fault. This is the training they're getting. Yeah. yeah. This comes from way above them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel for so many of the young ones because they, they, they do really want to do a good job, but that's not what they're trained to do. Me and my wife have been together since I was 21 and she was 24. Had you said that you believed you were trans early in y'all's relationship or more? Well, now here we go. This is this is another part of my story that's, I, I, you're probably familiar with it. But um, I actually heard about a tr- like trans men when I was 21. Okay. Um, and this, uh, so this would have been 2001, early 2000s. And I was newly out. Um, I was in the our LGB community. The T was not added yet, folks. <laughs> it would be added a year later. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it really was. I remember the whole conversation around it, too. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was in my my gay community. Um, uh, me, uh, see, yeah, I think me and Liz were together already. We had a group of lesbian friends, um, a few butch femme couplings, and it seemed like just overnight, it went from like everybody just being lesbians and butches and stuff to like all the butches identifying as trans men, like all of them. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I never heard of it before. And so I was like, what, what is going on here? And I, I talked to one of my friends. Um, I asked her, I was like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean that you, you, you're a trans guy instead of like a lesbian? And, and, you know, honestly, we didn't even really use the term butch either. Okay. Um, I think at that time, like most of the time through lesbian history, um, androgyny, right. what would be called non-binary, I think now in a lot of people, but and androgyny was the key. That's what you needed to be. You couldn't be too butch and you couldn't be too femme or mm-hmm. else you were suspect. 
<laughs> but you could be androgynous. Um, so I, I teetered those lines with that. I think I, I appeared maybe a little bit more androgynous than I will now or later did. Um, but anyways, yes, they were, we were butch though. Like that, that was what was happening. Yeah. Even though we didn't call it that. And, and she said, I said, well, what do you mean you're a trans man? I don't know what that means. And she's like, well, it's, it's, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a man, not a woman. And I'm like, okay, again, I, I don't understand what you're meaning by this. She's like, she really bought into the whole brain of a man, body of a female. Okay. And she said, and the reason, um, is because I like this thing and I was a tomboy and I don't feel like my parts are accurate to what I want. And a lot of times I find it interesting. You talk about sex a lot on this podcast yeah. because a key, one of the key elements that, that, that is back there, it's rarely talked about uh, with Butch's transition is the sex part. Yep. Butch's have a lot of issues around the kind of sex we want to have. And, um, so basically like we want to fuck women, right? you know, like, and of course I'm saying we, maybe we all don't like, maybe we want, maybe there, I'm sure there's butches that are pillow princesses. I'm not going to take that away from them. Sure. But I will say I share this experience and you know, the podcast is rather built around this. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you're what to, to use a, a crude language top, you're more top energy, right? right? Right. You want to be the one giving, um, and also, me and a friend of mine once called a uh, talked about the thrust instinct. Mm-hmm. You want to thrust, like you want to. It's projective, yes. Yeah, I you know, think of it as projective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and and you know, strap-ons are, are a great tool to yeah. to use with that. However, <laughs> uh, if you bring in some shit to there, like you know, oh, I like having sex with a strap. I really wish I had a penis. Um, and then trans ideology comes along and says, well, if you feel like you want to have a penis, you probably should have had a penis. And right, right. And then if you're like me and you have ADHD, you fucking ruminate on that shit. Mm. Then you make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. And then you I've already had already yeah. had sex dysphoria starting at 13. So like, yeah, all that stuff jumps off. So basically she listed all these things as to why she thought she had a male brain. And it was pretty much like, you know, you could, you could, it's just, it's just masculine stuff. Like, it's just, she liked masculine things. She liked being a top. She liked short hair and sports and boys clothes. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's pretty much what it was. It's She was a tomboy. It's me. <laughs> yeah. It's me. It's, and it, obviously it checked all the boxes, right? So then that got me thinking. Right, right. Oh, this is my answer, right? And yeah. that's the other thing, too, is I think most butches have been gender nonconforming since kids. Right. And we have taken the shit for that since kids like I was getting told at age nine that I was walking like a boy and acting like a boy why was I trying to be a boy and mind you I wasn't wearing boys clothes my mother would have never let me wear boy clothes I didn't have short hair I had long hair everything about me was girl like feminine right uh-huh but still yeah, pe- they were but yet, yeah my peers other my peers kids mm-hmm. were telling me I'm acting like a boy. same same here yeah so it's like what is that it's Right. It's just so, natural female. There's natural. an element, I guess, I don't know if you watched my video about the, the, the grain of truth. In, I have in not yet. I will. The good one. I think I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. But I, I think that there is a grain of truth in there. And the grain of truth is that some of us are born a bit more masculine than the rest of the females around. Yeah. Well, what is that? 
Right. And some of us are born a little bit more feminine than the men around. What is that? Usually we're homosexual. So those two probably are tied biologically in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big lover of science and stuff like that. Yeah. So you know, sometimes you you think, okay, biologically, scientifically, like why what would be happening here to create this? Um, I think we need a lot more research on the projective aspects, like the thrust instinct, as you say, which I love uh, of butch women or masculine women who are lesbians. Um, uh, and and the opposite instinct in gay men, which they don't catch as much shit for. There aren't that many people telling gay men who like to be fucked that like that they the women. Are women right right so who brought that up on your was it you that brought it up but there I was listening. I've written about it a lot <laughs> okay because like when I heard that I was like dude she's fucking right yeah it's like true. totally like ours is pathologized and it's because I really think it has a lot to do with the fact that the whole world wants to be obsessed with the penis itself instead of the pleasure of the woman like I grew up being a homosexual who wanted to give pleasure <laughs> I just talked to my therapist about this today, so I'm ready to talk about it. But she was like, how did you know you wanted to have strap-on sex? Because I was telling her about my like recent writing on it. And I was like, I felt it. It was an instinct. It was part of, it was like a core part of my lesbian sexuality. I knew it. I was with people at the time that I knew it who didn't really want that. So I knew I was seeking some kind of exchange that I hadn't found yet. And when I found Butch Femme, I realized that's what it was, that there was actually a kind of system that lesbians have built that is this thing. Um, But the thing that I was feeling was not so much, I want to have a penis that is my own, that is on me all the time. It was, I want to have the capability to make a woman feel that thing. So mine stemmed from homosexuality, I think, from like a or from sexuality in general, where it wasn't so much a reflection on like my body and its failures. It was a, a like striving that was totally relational. It was like, I want to be able to produce this feeling. But I think that like the patriarchy doesn't want it to be that simple. Like they can't, like men cannot accept that you could just be able to do that with an object. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I, I'd like to push back a little bit on that and ask, uh, why do you think the strap-on is needed to bring a woman pleasure like that? Because it's obviously not. Oh, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's not other valid, wonderful ways of having sex. I'm just saying yeah. I wanted that option available to me, if that makes sense. Okay. Because it is different. It's very different to fuck with a strap-on than it is to fuck with a pan. Um, uh-huh. So I actually was wanting that, the depth and the totality, the fullness, like the actual shape and um, hands-free. I wanted to be able to do what men could do Mm. and I can do what men can do and it's easy. So like, that's the secret though. The secret is it's easy and nobody wants us to know that it's easy and you can be a woman and do it. And I just covered the aspects of the other woman's pleasure that I wanted to be able to provide. But then there's also obviously the factor of mutuality, like the fact that I can come wearing the strap on, which is a huge part of it. Like two women can have penetrative sex and actually come at the same time and are probably more likely to do that in a lesbian relationship, statistically, compared to like simultaneous orgasms in straight relationships, which is wild and a secret. So, I mean, we, we have sex all kinds of ways and all those ways yeah. are great, but I wanted, I wanted to be able to do the whole, as my wife says, the whole Kama Sutra. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, when I uh, initially started detransitioning, I went very deep into radical feminism. Um, I've since kind of come out of that a little bit, 
but I do consider myself, I, I appreciate a lot of radical feminism and second, second wave feminism writings and philosophies. I think yeah. most of them are pretty accurate in my experience. Not all of them, though. Um, now, if I was to take a very radical feminist uh, kind of view of this, I would ask, you know, would it could this the desire to do the strap on thing come from a place of like you know um wanting to beat men at their game are you still centering men in a way because you've brought that kind of element into your sex and your sexuality subconsciously mind you i'm not saying you consciously did it but could it be the influence of of patriarchy and male centeredness because our society is centered on the male especially sexual oh, yeah i think we are all trained in that i just think it doesn't have to be i think it could be i like the feeling that i can give my wife with this thing i've seen women experience it from men but that doesn't mean i want to be a man to do it for me i luckily kind of stopped myself before thinking that transition was required for that and went the other way which is like i can do this it was, it was really about causing a feeling. So I think my sense is like, it doesn't have to be modeled on a man. And I think that's the grand secret that it, do, it could have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. And it, in my personal life, it does have nothing to do with them. I'm indifferent to men. Like I, it's not that I need the real thing because there is no real thing. The real thing is the pleasure, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was a very fine line. Yeah, I mean the strap-on yeah. thing is a very fine line for me. It and I first, we first, I first used a strap-on when I was about twenty-one. Actually, when me and my wife got together, okay. we we I think we went to at the time you had to actually buy it from a store. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we and in our our town actually had a really good sex store. It doesn't anymore, obviously, but at the time it did. And we went and we bought a strap-on, and we used and I used it. And the first time I used it, it was like mind blowing. I was like, right. oh my god, this is the kind of sex I have been wanting to have you know and and she liked it too like she she, and she'd never tried it either even though she had been with two girls two women before me okay she had been in two long-term to longer term relationships for a 24 year old before Mm -hmm. me and never had done anything with the strap on yeah and so and so we did that and and we both really dug it and I was like so super like into it Mm -hmm. the problem was (laughs) I became so into it that it wasn't enough Okay. I felt like felt like I was. It felt like eventually it became a blunt instrument, and I felt like I I cannot. I still cannot fuck the way I feel like I want to. Okay. And so that 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 feeling set in, and then the the you know they they would call this dysphoria. That's what they. I mean, clinically, this would be (laughs) dysphoria, and this Um, is sex dysphoria, right? Not gender dysphoria, right? Yeah. Now. And uh, so, the, so then it just became an issue. It became a rumination. It became an issue. It became me using the strap on to gain that feeling of being a man or being male that I wanted. Um, but then as I'm doing that, guess what happens? The actual pleasure and enjoyment of the sex is gone because now I'm using it for right. a different reason. Right. And then it eventually fell apart. And my wife's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this with you anymore because you're just being fucking stupid about it. You okay. know? And so then we stopped using it. And um yeah, but then you know that's that's just another element of like setting in there this like yeah carrying away me from my female body, you know, from the reality of 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 who I am. And looking back, uh, this this projection of male genitalia over mine was something that started when I was about 13 or so. Okay. And it started because 
I already had, that's when puberty really hit. And I had that desire. I wanted to fuck and I wanted to fuck females. And I didn't know how you did that. I had no frame of reference for that because all I had was female male reference. And so um, I started to imagine myself with a penis. I sometimes would even like stuff socks in my pants so I had a bulge like the whole fantasy part of it really just kind of took over and I think it was a coping mechanism and I think it's it's a it was a coping mechanism for a very young butch lesbian who was trying to figure out what the fuck you know and there is no guide rails for us there's nothing (laughs) there was no guide rails um there is no guide rails now and there was no guide rails in the 90s um when I was trying to figure this out um and then when I finally came out I think I wasn't even thinking about that anymore, but it was already stuck there. Like it's the way it was, yeah. the groove was made. Like that's the way my brain worked kind of thing. And I was totally like, you know, unconscious of this element that was there, but I continued to do that. I continued to imagine over myself, a male body. Over yourself. So you're saying you were kind of project, like different boundaries of your body, like beyond your, your physical skin boundaries, you're picturing like uh, like, what are you picturing? <laughs> I'm just, you know what? I just would imagine myself as male. That's really all it was too. I imagine okay. myself as male all the time. Okay. Um, and of course, once this got a label of dysphoria, gender dysphoria, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, that's gender dysphoria. Okay. That makes sense. And then gender dysphoria, the best treatment for it is transition. Well, where am I going to go with that? Mm. I'm going to go transition, but I should have been helped to find if I could manage another way or what was going on because transition is a huge thing to do and you can't go back and right. you, you are cutting parts of your body off and you are manipulating your body and you are becoming a lifelong medical patient. And that's a no, um, that's no, that shouldn't be no easy step. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sorry. You should absolutely gatekeep that shit. We gatekeep yeah. all right. kinds of medical procedures. No one goes, walks up to a hospital and says, you know, my heart feels a little weird today. I want you to do an open heart surgery on me. Yeah. No, no one's going to do that. No, I, I'm totally with you. What do you think we've lost by removing sex dysphoria and only talking about it as gender dysphoria? Well, you just, you just made it all blurry now, so you can't talk about anything. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Everything's become that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, terms actual uses of language has become just fucked so that anybody's feelings around how they want to use a word is legitimate well it's like that's not how language works though right words in my opinion and uh, this is an ignorant opinion i did not do any heavy studying in my philosophy school about language and shit like that but just spitballing here language in human society is there um to explain and communicate and draw boundaries Right. Yeah. If you didn't have language, how could you negotiate something with another person? And you both have to understand the word to me the same thing. Yeah. I mean, if you could use the simplest little analogy and you go into a grocery store and there's like, you know, there's a pear and an apple sitting next to each other. And one person looks at the apple and goes pear. And the other person looks at the, (laughs) looks at the apple and goes, no apple. And they're like, no, I feel like that's a pear. (laughs) Okay. You're correct. That makes sense. No, you have to have an actual like the word has to mean something. Yes, yes, it does. Um, we need categories, and we need categories for human experiences, so that we can even talk about groups. Like I had this wild conversation with Lily Cooney, um, friend of mine for the pod, where we were like, 
So people say that a lesbian is a woman who's attracted to other women, but they say that you can't tell who's a woman just by looking at them. So how can you be a lesbian if you can't see them under this new definition, right? I think you just must, in my opinion, you have to sniff them out. Men stink and women smell good. (laughs) That's how it works for me. (laughs) It is all smell. It is smell-based sexuality. Oh my no, goodness. I actually think smell is a huge component to sexuality. No, I would agree, actually. It's not a bad plan. My wife is somebody who will absolutely swear that realizing that there were differences between females and males' smells and that she was attracted to female smells um, helped her understand that she was a lesbian, that that was like a really core part of that realization. Okay, so FTMs, right? Yeah. Yeah, we smell different because we're fucking taking like a shit ton of like anabolic steroid like we're putting a whole bunch of like testosterone in our bodies right um or a drug that mimics makes our body think it's testosterone um and so yeah we're gonna smell a little different but like we there's still that female smell there too yeah like it's that's yeah. going away so what i when did you begin detransitioning can you remind me Oh, I, uh, 2000, yeah. early 2019, I believe like the okay. new year of 2019, it was the new year. I remember. And I, I contacted my endocrinologist and said, I want to stop testosterone. And I, I want you to like, make sure I do this correctly. Like, you know, I knew I shouldn't just nice. stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to scale off it, you know? Right. A, a lot and, of uh, people, unfortunately are not doing that. I mean, you can, but dude, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, so I told her I want to stop. And her first, her first response to me was, well, is it just the shots? You don't like taking the shots? Cause I could give you the, the, um, the gel. And I was like, uh, no, you, no, you don't understand. I, I want to stop. And she's yeah. like, her next question, have you contacted the, the psychologist? Bitch, no one asked me if I contacted the psychologist when I went in to get the goddamn shit, but now I have to contact the psychologist. <laughs> ain't, that, really- ain't that funny. You had to contact the psychologist before you could get approval to stop? No, no, no. I, I told her, no, I, I haven't. And I, I, I'm not going to. Um, so, so then she's like, all right, well, I'm, before I, I do any kind of script, I want to see you in person. We need a meeting. Now, okay. I don't know if you know anything about Kaiser. Mm. Uh, Kaiser Health. Okay, well, in California, Kaiser Health is one of the biggest providers. And let me tell you, Kaiser Health don't want to see your ass in the doctor office. <sighs> they will do Zooms. They will do phone calls. They will do text messages they before they want ever want to see your face right no but she goes i i, I want to see you in my office she set an hour-long appointment for me to see her which is unfucking heard of for a doctor too interesting yeah yeah so we had this long thing and she sat there and she i will give her credit she listened she asked questions she's like okay so what do you stop what do you mean by that and i said i don't know i don't know where i'm going i just know i want to stop i don't want to do this anymore and i didn't i didn't know if i was was i just going to stop testosterone but continue to identify as male and try to live as male or or was i going to i i didn't know so why do you want to stop i wanted to stop because i was tired ultimately mm-hmm. i was injecting myself every week to every two weeks i was um my health was growing worse i'd only been on it for four years but in that time i was already coming to the point of being pre-diabetic and my cholesterol was to the point where they they told me look you were probably going to be on meds pretty soon and i was not in that situation four years ago 
And I was having a lot of these weird dizzy spells, which I actually didn't connect to the tea until after I stopped it. And then I was, oh, shit, I haven't had these fucking spells where, like, if I stood up too quick, I'd almost fall over. Uh, okay. And, and like, the doctors were like, we have no idea what that's from. Um, and so I, I was like, it's just all these things. And also, I was just tired of the pretending because I felt like it was this constant effort to keep up the charade that I, like, was male. And mm -hmm. my voice never got that deep. And that was always a tell with people, I think. And the only saving grace I had, I think, for passing was I had a massive beard. And okay. most people will not question a beard. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously Jack kept beard. that fucking beard, right? Because I'm like, yes, this is my my superpower. <laughs> um, thank you, medical industrial complex. So... But uh, yeah, ultimately, it was just really tired. And I had come yeah. to the place of realizing that I did these things because of internalized homophobia. Okay. And and basically, really butch phobia. I really came to this place of, of, of transitioning because I was so embarrassed and so horrified of being seen as a butch woman. And I think the components to being a butch woman that makes it hard is we wear our homosexuality on our sleeve. You can't hide our homosexuality. Everywhere you walk, if yep. someone recognizes you as female, th the first thing that's going to pop into their head is, that's a fucking dyke. Yeah. Right? That's hard. It's really hard to do in a, in a homophobic society. And the other thing is, I'm a woman who's not being a woman correctly. Right. How, how fucking dare I? I have had parents grab their children and put their children behind them to protect them from me i've had women tell me to get out of the bathroom i've had people look at me with disgust i've had men call me spike and it um just you yeah, have had so much shit thrown at me and it's in my in my early 20s and mid 20s it was worse it was more aggressive and more prevalent but as time went on people still f i feel i feel like people still looked at me and felt a lot of those feelings but they knew they shouldn't say them anymore <laughs> so I so I still I still get the like sideways looks or the little like eh, or but uncomfortability. You, like, some age threshold yeah. where now you are worthy of respect. Like what is no, it? No, no, no. As the years went by, um, it just became like society started to change to be more accepting of homosexuality. I think. Oh, I got you. Okay. See, because when I came out, it would have been early two thousands. Yeah. Coming yeah. to the two thousand tens, things are going to be a little bit better. Gay marriage kind of came on the scene and was trying to like you know make people chill the fuck out so like stuff you know i'm saying the changing of the years you know 20 year yeah, span yeah things things did change um there was parts of there was parts of our community that me and my wife knew we could not go to because we would very we could very likely be harmed mm -hmm. so like you know that that's that's just a hard hard way to live and i was the one who stuck out i was the one that brought the attention Right. And one of my favorite things to happen, and this happened to me a lot, was uh, and usually at the grocery store of all fucking places, you get up to the grocer and, hey, sir, how are you doing today? And then I open my mouth and then it would be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Right, I right. didn't know you were a woman and that everybody behind you looks at you. So now you have all fucking eyes on you going, oh, look at this fucked up woman. Right. That's my whole life every day. And I'm like. <laughs> And, you know, someone like me was not mentally prepared or able to handle that kind of ridicule because I grew up in a very abusive home and a, a very abusive childhood. 
So my self-esteem was already in the fucking shitter. So like th there was no way I was going to be able to hold up to this kind of ridicule. Constant barrage. Yeah. yeah. It's really, you have to just steal yourself. And I wasn't brave enough to do it until a certain point in my life. I would have been, I didn't even come out as gay when I knew I was gay. You know, like I, yeah. there's like a whole period of my life where I just pretended I had no sexuality, but I was like functionally straight, like to pretend, um, so I'm not, I'm no paragon of bravery, but, um, I could not, there are some days when it's hard for me and I try to go around being confident because I teach students and I want them to see me as a, an example. Yeah. Um, so your, your students, your student story kind of struck me because, um, I had a, an experience with young people that also was kind of a clicking point okay. for me. Um, to just, so I worked it was about, I had just graduated college. Um, I, I went to college old, so I was not 18. I was like 38, 37, 38. And I graduated okay. college, finally got my four-year degree. Um, you would have been I, my favorite student when I taught college. I loved having non-traditional older students. The older people, yeah. yeah. We were good students, man. Yeah, we you fucking fuck were. <laughs> and you asked good questions. You weren't like yeah. staring at me. Anyways. <laughs> so... I just graduated. I knew I wanted to go in the mental health field. I was on, it was going to go back to school. Um, I was going to get a job in mental health field and then go back to school to get my master's in social work or my master's um, for marriage and family therapy. That was my plan. Um, I was still identified as trans man, still taking the T, mm -hmm. all nine yards. I lived as stealth, by the way. I was not out as trans to anybody. Okay. Um, did not talk about it. Was not raw, raw, here's my trans flag. None of that shit. Because to me, if they knew I was female, it defeated the whole fucking purpose. Okay. So stealth was the goal. That's, that was, stealth was the goal. Okay. Stealth was the goal. Okay. So I went to work at a youth psychiatric facility, a locked hospital, locked facility. Um, we housed children ages 12 to 17, both sexes, but they bedded them separately. They could intermingle in the main rooms, but they were put to bed in showers separately. It was sex segregated in that aspect. Okay. So I went to work at this place and I was basically just called a peer mentor. I was just on the floor working day in and day out with these kids, babysitting them, making sure they didn't hit each other, doing activities with them, the whole nine yards. A lot like a teacher, I guess. Yeah, um, teaching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, very, very mentally ill children. First thing that struck me about working at this place, the vast majority of the females, the, the girls that came in identified as trans. Right. Well, now that's weird. Statistically, that's weird. Mm -hmm. um and but not too many of the boys but a lot of girls all right well that's one thing that was that stuck out weird to me because i came from the place of believing uh i guess they would call me a horrible uh trans med at this point i believed you had to have gender dysphoria to transition and i believed it was an actual like mental like medical thing like a biological yeah. thing i don't believe that now but at the time i did um so I, I was of that opinion. And, and of course, knowing enough about science and biology, I was like, you know, people who, who are trans should be a minority, like a super, super minority. This should be a very rare thing to occur. Just like homosexuality is a rare thing to occur as well. Mm -hmm. As something as like what it varies between three or 5% of the total population is homosexual. Right, right. Uh, I'm not sure what the most recent numbers are on exclusively same sex sex havers, but I'm pretty sure it's still a low single digit. And it's pretty consistently been that way. So I, I was thinking, first of all, logistically, this doesn't make sense. That was my first thing. Then we got a 14-year-old girl in. 
um, who identified as an FTM, identified as a trans man, trans boy. And I looked at her and I saw a young butch girl trying to find her way. Um, I could tell uh, that she was gay because the way she interacted with the other girls, the way she really wanted to, she really wanted to be with her boyfriend. Like she really wanted to be the man in their lives. You know, you could that. Then I was like, oh God, I remember that. You, you know, it. yeah. Oh, it's that that early it's stages. That's me. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. And so like I saw this and I saw her struggling and I saw her just like being tore apart because she like wanted to be male and thought she was male, but like, you know, and I wanted to tell her with all, like everything I wanted to tell her it's going to be okay. This is going to get better. Yeah. You're a lesbian. You're butch. This is okay. There's a lot out just like you. We've been there before. One day you're going to find a wonderful girl or woman who's going to love you and like you just the way you are because you are the way you are. Yeah. Right. I wanted to tell her all all these things. Obviously, even if I could, I wouldn't have, but like the instinct was to tell her these things. And then I thought, yeah, but I can't though, because I'm a bearded fucking dude. Hmm. Wow. Some, yeah. some bearded fucking balding dude's going to come and be like, it's okay, hon. You can be yourself, Dyke. <laughs> like, oh, really? I really, Carol? Even... That makes sense. But here you are, Carol, with your beard, injecting yourself with fucking drugs um, so that you aren't a butch Dyke. And that was such a like fucking epiphany moment for me. God. I was like, oh, Fuck. Yeah, that just hit me with like all the weight of like a, a plot twist and like your favorite television show. I was just like, Ugh. like, I can't imagine. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I did this for the same goddamn reason she wants to do this, even though I was 34 when I did it and, and she's 14. It's the same fucking reason. God. And um, the other the other key point to my detransition, I think, was also getting on good um, antidepressants. Uh, I had been on, I got on some good antidepressants before this epiphany. And I think getting my mental health under control, my anxiety under control enabled me to process things I needed to process and logic through things. My brain was a fucking disaster, you know, so Mm -hmm. the meds. I have experience with that. (laughs) When you, when I go through, I had therapy, you were like, you crazy too? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the meds, the meds were helpful and um, that epiphany happened. And then I started to just wonder. And then around the same time, another fucking thing happened. Um, I was following a very well-known trans man on Instagram. I won't say his name. Okay. Oh, God. And I use he. See? Damn it. It's insidious. Um, (laughs) I usually always try to use correct sex pronouns. Anyways, whatever. I was following this very well-known trans man on Instagram. And this was around the time where in the UK, the get the L out movement was happening, um, which is a bunch of like lesbians, mostly radical feminist type lesbians who were like getting angry at the fact that trans women were being included in lesbian stuff and wanted they wanted to like protest that. And so they went in front and they had this big banner they unfurled in front of London Pride, like in front of the parade. Like okay. they just went out there and unfurled this banner and like made a huge fucking like it was news heard around the world, especially in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this had happened and uh, the trans man was posting about it and she said, Oh, these fucking turfs. It's the first time I like, well, not the first time I'd heard turf, but like, I was like, wait a minute, these are lesbians, right? Like, right. Lesbians are usually pretty progressive. Like, I don't, what's, and so basically on, on the Instagram, I asked, 
uh, her and the people that follow her, I said, well, what do you, why'd they do this? Like, why'd they do it? What was their reasoning? Who the fuck cares? There's just a bunch of fucking turfs. They hate trans people. I'm like, that may be the case, but like, I still want to know what their reasons were. Right. Are you a fucking turf? Like, no, I couldn't ask questions. So that right there was really like weird for me. Yeah. I couldn't even ask questions. So what did I do? I went and started to look up news stories about it because I wanted to know what was going on. Because I wanted to know what these lesbians were up to. All the stories were turf this and turf that, but nobody talked about what they said their motive was, which is right. what I wanted to know. Well, my search, as the internet searches do, took me to their actual website. Mm -hmm. where I got to read their actual reasons. And after reading their actual reasons, I thought, yeah, they're not wrong. I've been in the trans community a while. I've seen it. They're not wrong. Why can't like, why can't they have their opinion? And that was another element of it just kind of rolling back this, like, you know, okay, belief yeah. in me and just all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's true that it, lesbian, I think it's meaningful that like your, your first like big moment with the word turf was about lesbians because people frame it like it's not a word specifically aimed pretty completely at lesbians as a population. Like there are turfs who are like straight women or whatever, but lesbians with opinions are turfs like anyone who has the feeling so when you said sorry i'm babbling a little bit but when you said that you thought they're not wrong you've been in the trans community for a while and you've seen things that made you think they weren't wrong what were you thinking what were you talking about there <laughs> well that you can't change your sex i knew that for a fact you couldn't change your sex i, I really believe in definitions and yes uh Reality is complex. Life is complex. People are complex. I have known me a grip of lesbians that said they were lesbians and you knew they dropped out of the scene and had a boyfriend for a while and came back on the scene and said they were lesbian again. <laughs> Whatever. It's all been there. We never said shit to them. We were just like, yeah, that's, you know, fucking Emily does that Maybe. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't count on sticking with Emily. For... No, yeah, Emily. Well, you know. <laughs> but here, but that might, that might go more to the issue of being of of a lot of gay people being super kind of like rigid well straight people and gay people being rig rigid towards bisexuality and not liking bisexuality oh, and yeah. feeling like you have to pick a side and i think maybe a lot of bisexuals feel pressured to not say anything about their bisexuality and just kind of hop from one to the other because it's easier that way right yeah that's interesting because you're right it, because truly if you are a person whose sexuality can encompass trans women, then you are someone who can have sex with male people and enjoy yeah. it. And like, I happen to know that I wouldn't, you happen to know that you wouldn't. So that yeah. might mean that we're just lesbians and those other people are bisexuals and that's cool. Like it's okay to be bisexual. Absolutely. Um, but, and it's, I think it's just sex denialism that's getting us all. Twisted. Well, that's, that's another, right. you know, very early on when I was going to the trans support groups, um, I ran into, that problem real fast because i am usually pretty logical and pretty based in reality i knew i was female i knew i wasn't male i also knew that taking testosterone didn't change every cell in my body to male quote unquote <laughs> which i ran across and i was like oh honey that is not the way biology works <laughs> and i i ran up against that in the support group yeah. where it was like you couldn't talk about that kind of stuff. You also couldn't say anything negative about any of these surgeries that were happening, which let me tell you, especially if it's any kind of genital surgery, most of those do not come out good. That's and that I've is heard. the fucking reality of it. And alloplasties are not notoriously successful. bad, notoriously yeah. bad outcomes. 
um, multiple surgeries years down the road. God. And yet these women still saying, I don't regret it. I know, bitch, you can't, you can't, you can't regret it, right? Your sunk cost is too Fuck, high. dude. <laughs> You're already in, like, no, I know, it. God, it hurts, but it's also like, just tell the truth, tell the truth that it's terrible. And the terrible thing that I'm talking about there is phalloplasties. If you've done any reading on phalloplasties, which is where I've spent my time, my late night rabbit hole Googling time, it's like medical malpractice in so many fucking situations. So like, I, I realized the reality of the situation, but that was not acceptable. I could, you could yeah. not challenge anything. You could not have a dissenting opinion. You'd get iced out or flat told to leave because mm -hmm. you were being transphobic and making it an unsafe place. Right. Well, and you said you went in, you went into the whole experience thinking, I know I'm not going to be male. The point is to be stealth, but there yeah, are people yeah. like, have you, is this a generational thing? Cause it seems to me like the young kids who are growing up in a world that has, is trying to be without sex entirely, that those people are saying they believe they are currently male and all they're <laughs> yeah. doing it, you know, like, are you seeing yeah. that more? And is that a young it's, people thing? It is, is definitely that? a younger generation thing. It is because they, I think they've grown up in this soup of uh blending together of imagination and fantasy into reality right. where it's like anything i imagine and feel is reality and it's like well no it is not <laughs> well no well and it's i i'm so curious what you said about the strap-on stuff because i think it's so core to everything that the solution for a young female person who like wants to use a strap-on and is going to get all the angst about it that we all get. For the life of me, I don't know why I said it that way. All the angst about it. Angst is the way I pronounce that word. Like there's something wrong with me. It's not like I didn't go through that phase of like, what is my attachment to this object? Is it about the object? And then I kind of realized it's actually about like the sexuality aspect, but that took so much fucking parsing through. And there's not a model for a female person who wants to use that thing as part of her sexuality at all this reminds me this reminds me of kind of like how from what i've heard in the you know 80s and 90s there was this you know what they called gender fucking you know mm -hmm. fucking with gender you know playing these yeah. having fun with it it was much more of a having fun with it kind of experience versus this is super serious i do this thing it must mean something profound right <laughs> you right. know um so looking in hindsight um i could see how those feelings and thoughts would have been, should have been dealt with in some way and really should have been put in a place of, you know, you're never going to be male. You're not going to have a penis. You're going to have to fucking just deal with that shit. Now, how do you deal with it? Right. What do you do now? What do you move what do you forward? Do now? Yeah. And the strap on, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fun. It's awesome to use it and play around with those kind of things and roles or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, it is a tool, an extension of your body as a kind yeah. of implement, but you take it off, you put it away. Does it's it mean shit? Does right. it mean shit? Like, you know, ultimately. Yeah, totally. And it, it, we need to be able to have that dialogue. Not that we can have it with kids, but it's like, shit, we, we have a health class and a scenario now where like transness is so visible. They're getting like only one side of sex and gender. They're getting like, this is your performance of maleness or femaleness and they're not hearing about this is actually a healthy way to have a sexuality also like you're going to be okay and i just feel like the butch lesbians who feel that thrust instinct which i'm going to use forever <laughs> again that the the ones who feel that thrust instinct 
um, need an outcome that is not a trans outcome in order to be free to use it and be, and feel whole and feel like it's not a poor replacement for a penis. Like the sooner you can get around, even thinking that they have to be related, the better you're going to feel. Um, but the transness is like trapping the butch girls. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's so fear mongering, but (laughs) whatever. Well, no, I think, like I said, it answers so many questions. If you look up, if you go to the DSM and you look up the, the diagnostic criteria for gender dysphoria, most of it is fucking bullshit stereotypes that yeah. all gender nonconforming people, or let's say really gender nonconforming homosexuals, um, do. Right. Like it is. It just checks all those fucking boxes. And it's like, well, yeah, you're going to catch a whole lot of fucking gay people in that. Yep. I'm yeah. sorry, but you are fucking medicalizing. Why are you medicalizing this? Right. Like, don't, I, I mean, above all, I am really against, personally against any kind of fucking plastic surgery, any kind of manipulation of your body for like coming from a part of like, oh, I hate this part of my body. I want to change it. No, like, no, radical acceptance all the way. That's been my like philosophy coming into detransition, right. radical acceptance of the reality. And then where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, and the reality can be so great. It's like, if we stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we do have, then a whole world opens up where like, actually a butch lesbian is a particular kind of person who's a great kind of person with a lot to offer. And like, maybe fucking with a strap on is a, a different form of like an empowering sexuality that if we don't start seeing it as, from its relation to maleness, right? That it's proximity mm-hmm. or distance to maleness, then maybe there's a whole other world out there, but we're not- I will say it is it is there. hard to parse out this stuff though, because maleness is such a part of our lives. Right. And, and is for such, I mean, we grew up just steeped in this misogyny, you know, yeah. and yeah. in this, in, in patriarchal standards of male centeredness and, you know, males, boys are viewed as whole humans and girls, yeah. subhuman. And I don't care what anybody fucking says. It's still that way. No, you don't say it. You tell girls they can be anything they want. But guess what? You've got to buy them a shirt at Target that says they can be anything they want. Why aren't you buying your boy a shirt that says he can be anything he wants? Boys don't got to wear that because people know boys can be whatever they want. (laughs) Yep. Right? There are a lot of us gays with a lot of internalized homophobia that have transitioned. I know a ton. Yeah. yeah. Both male and female. I, I have seen a lot of detransitioned gay men coming out recently, and I knew they were there, and it breaks my fucking heart because I'm like, we came from the same place. Yep. And it's funny, like, same shit. I've had I've had some contact me and be like, I love your fucking video. I related it to it so much, even though when I'm talking, I'm talking about my female lesbian experience. Yeah. That homosexual, that, that that um internalized homosexual part uh, a homophobia part excuse me is the um the thing that was the core like yeah, push, you know it absolutely is and and one was even like he was saying how much he related to the whole idea that he like felt like he couldn't be a man and what and want what he wanted which was well, that's what ours is yeah yes and which was um, I'm going to imagine, I haven't talked about his sex life. I'm going to imagine that he probably 
wanted to be the be penetrated. I think he wanted to be like the woman. Like he wanted yeah. to he wanted to be a he's what I think he did say he wanted to be a housewife. Like he liked that idea of yeah. being like, you know. So a lot of those stereotype roles, he wanted to be in those. And and that that caught him and and then the trans thing made sense to him and he thought, oh, I must be a trans woman. Mm-hmm. One thing, so because I'm an ex-academic, I, like you have a beef with therapists. I have beef <laughs> with like, like scholars because they're not serving anyone other than themselves. But one thing that, that gay men have that we don't is a bunch of literature on bottom shame and how to get around it. We don't have uh-huh. a bunch of literature on strap on shame and how to work around it. Interesting. So, what do you I, think that is? Other than just misogyny. Patriarchy. <laughs> just don't throw that. Come on. Use a little bit more. <laughs> I just what think, do you think uh, that is? Yeah, I, I think there's a fundamental. I think what you said about the sense that like girls are missing something. We can we can shit on Freud all we want all day long, but the world still still behaves as though girls are subhuman. Mm-hmm. Um and that they need some proximity to maleness to complete them. And I think for there to actually be a radical reflection on strap-on sex that says this is a real way to be a woman in the same way that gay men have had their reflection on bottom shame, and they really have, there's literature there. For us to have that would absolutely liberate women forever. And here I playfully said from the idea that dicks are special, but I want to, I cut that and I want to elaborate on what I actually meant, because I think there's a point to be made here. I'm not talking a total liberation of all things and all people. I'm just talking about liberation from the idea that a woman is uh, more limited in her capacity to do human stuff than men are. Um, From the idea that ultimately there's a limit at which a woman who wants a certain thing must become a man or must cross-identify. I think that's that's the thing where butch lesbians are pushing up against culture's limit for what a woman is allowed to do. And the response from the queer community has been that we must just be men. Like that is what is happening. Well, it would, I mean, you'd have plenty of straight women that still like dick. Right. But we would not need it. Meaning men wouldn't have a monopoly on penetration because women wouldn't be seen as lacking something that enables that. We would be seen as like perfectly capable of having our very own thrust instinct. Thank you very much. And I, there's this like way that it's framed as the standard marker for pleasure, which is simply mm. not true. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, yeah, it's absolutely is. And I, I guess that goes back to kind of what I was poking at earlier, which is like, how much of the strap on stuff is mixed in there? And I'm not saying now, I'm not taking the radical feminist stance of, Right, strap right. on equals you know oh no i'm not but but i i think oftentimes i do think that both extremes are wrong and it but correct might be somewhere in the middle yeah well so here's my thing i believe that the projective impulse in butch sexuality is natural mm-hmm. so uh, that's all i need to say that my desire to have something there to pleasure my wife with I hate that verb, but that my desire to have something there is not related to maleness. I don't think of it in any case, like it's surely subconsciously linked up with the sim- symbolism, but I don't, we don't need it to be. And I, I believe now, I mean, it took me my whole fucking life until now, but I believe now that that projection that it, that came so naturally to me when I was a young lesbian really freaked out about it is mm-hmm. natural. Okay, so you know what's funny about the 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 
was it thrust impulse or thrusting or whatever I said. Actually, I didn't make that up, by the way. That was one of my friends that actually said that to me. We were having a conversation back from a lesbian event, actually, in a car, long drive, and we started talking about this. <laughs> it was both Butch. And she she came up, she was talking about that. Thrust instinct, that's what it is. Thrust instinct. Um, so I, this, this, this got in my head, and I just really molded over a lot for a few months. And then I was talking to my wife one night, and I was like, I was like, I think a lot of Butches that transition get caught up because of the thrust instinct. And she's like, yeah. what do you mean? So I told her about it and she's like, I don't, I, she, I was like, don't you find that weird? Like, why do we have that instinct? And she, my wife, I love the way she always just strips everything away. Cause I get brainy. Yeah. Um, she looks at me and she goes, cause we're fucking animals, Carol. We like to fucking, <laughs> we like to fucking rub our genitals on each other and hump each other. Like all animals do it. And I was just like, she just broke it down for me right there. <laughs> right like it's just there it's just a natural thing and you know what she's right because you will see you will see female animals in all kinds of different species do mounting behaviors yeah yeah and do like grinding behaviors and thrusting behaviors so this is not abnormal at all it's not it's really not not. it's just humans have the brain to go why don't i make a tool for this (laughs) Right, right. Which is just so handy. Like tools. And it's like, it's not, it didn't require silicone. I'm sure people have been doing this for quite a while. Like two female people have been figuring out how to pick each other hands-free for a while. But it's like the grand secret of history that like pleasure could be dealt out in this way and actually Mm -hmm. be uh, just perfectly indifferent to male people doing the same thing. I much prefer good, I don't know what proof this is of anything, but I much prefer good butch femme porn over good straight porn it's just it's so rare it's so rare Hmm, sigh i think porn is mostly a problem in this world and the industry is evil um and i've actually spoken to a lesbian pornographer who will 100 percent back me up on it being evil um but i sure would like to see some better butch femme sex representation um so perhaps a little porn co-op that is ours i don't know could there be a future in which question mark or maybe we should just rely on fictional sex um which means petitioning hollywood for us to ever ever be present ever in movies so for me my my journey into into to trans identification everything was also very wrapped up in porn and and also very um and so i when i detransitioned i decided no more porn and i haven't watched it since and i don't watch it and the reason I don't is two reasons. One, it became a problem for me. Mm-hmm. And I believe it took away my own sexual desire and drive to my wife because there was these, there was other things going on there that okay, I wanted yeah. to do. It it like it numbed my sexual response mm-hmm. with my wife. And I didn't like that. The I second that. part is I think that the porn industry at large harms women and girls. And I don't want to put any effort in or money into their hands. Yeah. So I abstain from it. Um, I, however, am not going to like jump on somebody and beat them down if they watch porn. I just give my reasons why I don't. Yeah. Um, and then the strap on thing, because that was such an issue. Um, I actually didn't uh, go near it for years. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I still had one in, like in my closet. Right. It was still there. But I just couldn't do it because I was like, this is, you know, to, to use a very overused word, triggering. You know, yeah. I was scared that I would that makes sense. use it and then have that regression again. And so I stayed away from it. And it wasn't till just maybe 
a year ago, if that, and I've been detransitioned three years that I actually, I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? I think I feel in a like good space to like Mm -hmm. try the strap on again and be okay with it. And she's like, okay. And I was like, so whenever you would feel up to it, you just let me know, you know? (laughs) Um, And, and so then we did, we used it. And I was like, you know, it was very, it was nice to use. I can't come with it anymore. Um, I used to be able to, I can't because I don't know. I don't know if it's mental. I do think testosterone growing my clitoris made it numb. It is not as sensitive as it used to be. Interesting. Is that common? So it is common from what I've heard, like word of yeah. mouth, like this is not anything science-based, but like word of mouth is that after about three or four years, it becomes numb and just kind of hard to come that way. So that's kind of an issue too. So I was like, it just doesn't work for me to, to like to have an orgasm, but that's okay because I love just, really? I love sitting back and like <laughs> giving her pleasure and having her have a good time. It's all about her. Right. And when we're done, I can strip it off and she can go down on me and it's great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's such an interesting, like, it feels like my experience makes more sense hearing your experience. I'm sorry that it was this like up and down shitty thing for you. I'm sorry that it has to be for all, for all of us, because it was, it, it was the same way for me where what I was hearing was you're trans because you come with this thing. That's a, that's just a male behavior. That is so weird. You know, I think that's a newer, maybe it's not a newer thing, but like, as I recall, when I came out with the, with the young women who would use a strap, no one ever said that. And together, let's create a world where no one ever fucking says that's a male behavior to a female. Thanks. If you want to see more conversations like this in the world, please head over to patreon.com slash stonebutchdisco. Toss us a couple dollars. You'll get a whole community in return. Um, and also my undying gratitude. If you're a lesbian and you feel like you could use some backup um, facing the contemporary universe of uh, ideology, I have your back. Go to stonebutchdisco.com and you will see Lesbian Feminist Theory for the 2020s and beyond, um, written by yours truly. Please check it out. Please send feedback to stonebutchdisco at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Uh, Tune in next week for part two of two with Carol, which picks up where we left off talking about norms around sexuality, but also... Um, in which I ask more (laughs) direct and and relevant questions about Carol's own process of transition and detransition. And she especially shares her mental health journey and her relationship health journey um, as we kind of talk about her wife's position relative to her transition, um, her feelings as a lesbian, and, you know, Carol's surviving feelings as a lesbian and kind of how all of that played out in the company of not just another person who's your partner, but also your child. So we get more into the details of, of Carol's whole experience. If you want to hear more about that, I just think we all should. I mean, as a butch lesbian, I feel like that, like Carol's experience is one that I very well could have had. And I know people like me are having it all the time and, um, we stand together. You know what I mean? You're real and I'm real and we're not some knockoff versions of male human beings. Uh, uh, -uh. so yeah, go forth and act upon the thrust instinct. See y'all next week. Um, back again like flu season. I broke records while loose leafing. I'm coming now. My roof leaving. Don't give a fuck. I don't care. Uh, did the shit for my lonesome. No wonder now I'm on one. No shortcuts on that long run. All I really want is my share. Uh, get him. I got him. I told him it's nothing.